Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. An Erio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we're speaking with guest expert Jamie Durham. Jamie is a building and cultural historian in Galveston and an employee of the Galveston Historical Foundation since 1998. She's also the co-author of the book Galveston, Playground of the Southwest, about the history of tourism in Galveston. Let's hear what she has to say about the Galveston hurricane of 1900. Hi, Jamie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, hey, I'm glad to be here. So I was hoping we could start off by having you give us some history on the city of Galveston, how it evolved and, and, and why it was later nicknamed the Playground of the South, as like your book. Well, um, so we're a barrier island, approximately three miles off of the Texas coast. We began as Mexican territory. The uh, country of Mexico declared us an official port of entry in 1820. And at that time, um, the pirate compound on the east end of the island that was um, overseen by the pirate Jean Lafitte, they were asked to vacate. Stephen F. Austin came in and moved inland to Texas 
with his new colony of supporters and Galveston slowly evolved to become a city in 1838 after Texas won independence from Mexico. Because we are a barrier island, we have a natural deep water port where a lot of wealth was made. So Mm. by the eve of the 1900 storm, we were one of the, I believe we were in the top five busiest ports in the United States. We were the leading port for cotton exportation. We were also an entry for immigrants from 1840 until the 1930s, approximately a quarter of a million immigrants um, entered our country through Galveston shores. So that harbor, you had a lot of ships coming in, bringing people, bringing goods that were carried to the inland of our new state. The railroads began here to get those goods out. And we just became a center of commerce for the state of Texas. We accumulated a lot of wealth. We developed the title, the Wall Street of the Southwest, Mm. our Strand Street here, where all of that economic center was bustling, was named after Strand Street in England, in London. And then after the 1900 storm, and I I must backtrack, on the eve of the 1900 storm, our little island, the city of Galveston, we were the second richest city per capita and the entire nation. Wow. The only other city that surpassed our per capita wealth was Newport, Rhode Island. Hmm. So the 1900 storm rolls in and everything changes. Our course of history shifts. Absolutely. We lose between six and 8,000 lives that night on the island and approximately a third of our building inventory Everything close to our beaches was completely swept away. To prevent this from ever occurring again, the seawall was constructed starting at 6th Street down to 39th Street. It was 17 feet high. It would hold back the storm surges of any future storms and still does. Hmm. And then the land behind the seawall had to be raised in an epic grade raising project that took several years where canals were dredged into the island. Blocks were segregated off block by block. Retaining walls were built. Dredge material was pumped out of the canals and into these individual blocks once it solidified. The walls were removed. They moved to the next block. And the fill was 17 feet at the seawall. And for every 1,500 feet as you approached the harbor on the north side of our island, that fill decreased by one foot. Um, I I was just curious, uh, even before the, uh, the, the hurricane hit, if if the city had any kind of uh, monitoring system, no. Did did they have any connection with the weather bureau in Washington? H- how how were storms tracked? Typically by sailors and vessels on open water sending um, telegram telegraphs and uh, Morse code messages back, but 
by around, and I may be mistaken, by around the 1890s, we were connected with the Weather Bureau and a meteorologist named Isaac Klein was sent here to oversee the Galveston office. So when the 1900 storm struck, um, Mr. Klein did know it was coming. So we did mm. have warning system, not like today, of course, mm -hmm. but we did have a warning system. They knew this, the hurricane was coming. Um, there was a misguided belief that it would weaken as mm. it approached the shallow waters of our island. And um, so warnings were not taken too seriously until it became evident that um, that trouble was on the horizon. Yeah. And by the time uh, Isaac Klein realized that, he... Um, he issued every warning system available to him, including getting in his own horse and carriage buggy and riding up and down the streets closest to the beach and telling people to seek seek shelter. Mm. And, and can you walk us through how the storm played out that day? When at what point do people start to realize that this is not just some ordinary storm that they're used to? Sure. And 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 how how do the citizens of the city react once things get serious? So the the morning of September eight, um, people awoke to a little bit of water in the streets and huge waves breaking on the Gulf side of the island on the beaches. Um, it was. Um, a spectacle that many people went out to observe. Um, mm. Children were playing in the flooded streets. But I would say by about mid-afternoon, things turned and they realized this was not going to be just another little overflow, as they were sometimes called, that would flood the streets. And... um you know, by that time, it was too late to get off the island. The railroad tracks were under. Um, you couldn't sail off the island at that point. The bay was too choppy. And so um, most people hunkered down in their own homes. Some and quite a few went to very large stone and brick institutional buildings, such as our John Seeley Hospital, um, St. Mary's Hospital, Ursuline Convent, and some of the bigger schools that had been constructed by that point. Many people that hunkered down in their own homes that lived several blocks away from the beach um, they had a higher survival rate than those folks who hunkered down in their little frame homes closest to the water. Mm. As the storm came in, it came in from the southwest, moving northwest over our island. And as all of those waves battered down, the first row of houses, 
that debris battered down the next street of houses. And this just grew and grew and grew until a natural seawall of debris formed and protected everything within its walls. And by some firsthand accounts, this natural seawall of debris was as high as a three-story building in places. Wow. So it kind of snaked. It made a semicircle protection from around 8th Street, went south down to around Avenue N, N and a half, and then it traveled west to about the 30s and began to arc back north where it came back out at the harbor in the 4,000 block of water. And um, so that protected your downtown historic district, which is now on the National Register. It protected the East End neighborhood, now on the National Register. Mm. It protected parts of the um, factory district where the cotton warehouses and the freight depots were. And then it protected a smattering of houses on the south side of Broadway and what we now call the San Jacinto neighborhood, the Lost Bayou neighborhood, which is on the National Register, Mm -hmm. Silk Stocking and Kempner Park. And I've heard some incredible, I've read some incredible and heroic accounts of survivors, as well as some terribly sad uh, tales from that night. How did many of the people who were caught in the island and couldn't escape, how did they manage to survive? And and what were some of these stories? Um, Well, you know, they all huddled in bigger buildings, many of them that survived, those that had larger houses let in neighbors that lived in smaller houses. And then the storm hit its peak. I have read about midnight. Um, That's when the eye passed over and then the back wall slammed into the island. Some of the houses, a a large part of the houses were knocked off of their pier and beam foundations and floated. Um, Mm. Many people as the water rose in Let me backtrack real quick. Because we are an island, all of our houses are pier and beam. They're not built Mm. on slabs. Some are now. They weren't then. So um, your first floors were all elevated above grade. And um, most houses were elevated four to eight feet above ground. It just depended. Mm -hmm. And many of these underneath areas were used as storage, utilitarian areas, et cetera. Many people, as the water began to seep into their first floor living quarters, they drilled holes in their hardwood floors so that the water would seep in slower and thereby anchor the house to the pier and beam rather than rush in and push it off the pier and beam. Mm. Though many pier and beam houses were pushed off of their foundations, they floated Many families found themselves in attics. When their houses fell apart, they clung to doors, to rooftops, and then many perished and were washed out to sea. The next morning, dawn bright and sunny. It was a beautiful day, clear blue skies, and it must have just been horrific 
to wake up to such a beautiful day surrounded by such devastation and death. Wow. So in the aftermath of the storm, a lot of women and children left the island. They went to Houston or to family members um, outside of the state. And the cleanup began. Um, men were forced to work at gunpoint. They were playing wow. with liquor. The task was daunting, sifting through the rubble and debris for the victims um, who had to be buried quickly to keep disease and pestilence from spreading to the survivors. Many were identified later, most were not, and are buried mm -hmm. in a mass grave out in our municipal cemetery that was founded after the 1900 storm to help to help accommodate all the burials that were needed. Mm. So, you know, women and children, most women and children left, aid began arriving. There were fundraisers for the victims of the 1900 storm held in New York City, Chicago, St. Louis, clothing, construction materials to build small houses that we refer to as commissary houses, small two-room houses to accommodate the survivors that were left homeless. Over a thousand of those were built. Mm -hmm. And slowly, we cleaned the debris we buried the dead and we got back on track. And by December, the schools had reopened. Wow. The Christmas pageants were happening. Things were returning to normal and Galvestonians soldiered on. Wow. It, incredible how resilient uh, we can be sometimes. Yes. Now, uh, Isaac Klein seems to be a, a controversial figure in all of this. He by some is portrayed as a hero and others say he might have dropped the ball. How is he viewed by Galvestonians? Is that what, what are you called Galvestonians? Yeah, we call ourselves Galvestonians. Okay. You know, I, I can't speak for the community in mass. I can just tell you how I view him. Mm -hmm. I am sympathetic to his plight. He was mm. a good meteorologist. He had reason to believe that Galveston would never be hit. By a major hurricane, which proved to be false, which he acknowledged the day of the 1900 storm when he realized he had made a mistake, he did um, risk his own life in navigating the flooded streets to try and warn people. And, um, you know, as you know, by the time he got back to his house, um, he waded through floodwaters to get home. His house was just a few blocks from the beach, was knocked off of its pier and beam foundation. His wife was, uh, he lost his grip on his wife, mm. maintained grip on his two little girls. His brother, who was also a meteorologist with him in the same office, Mr. Joseph Klein, um, they, they lived all together. So Joseph and Isaac and the two little girls rode out the storm floating on the roof of their house. Wow. And he later had to identify his wife's body. It was a few weeks later, but he identified her by the ring on her finger. So, you know, Isaac lost a great deal as well. Mm -hmm. I'm not a psychologist, but I am reading his own biography. I don't think he ever recovered. Mm. From 
that devastating event. And he eventually left Galveston and he moved to New Orleans. He left the weather service and um, he lived his remaining days in New Orleans um, operating a uh, a shop on Royal Street. Huh. Now, we always ask our, our guest experts this uh, same question. At the end of the day, if you had to pick a person or a thing, it could be a concept that you think is to blame for the Galveston hurricane of 1900 and, and for the destruction and, and that caused it to be the worst natural disaster in history, who or what would that be? Well, not to sound flippant, but uh, I would place that blame squarely on Mother Nature's shoulders. Mm. That makes a lot of, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> I mean, you know, hurricanes are not man-made. Mm-hmm. And um, Isaac didn't draw the hurricane to the island, so I don't blame Isaac. Mm-hmm. I blame Mother Nature. But then I applaud the resiliency and the engineering designs that culminated in our seawall and the grade raising project that raised the island behind the seawall. And I can say I was here during Hurricane Ike Uh in 2008. The seawall did exactly what it's supposed to do. The eye of the storm, the eye of Ike pretty much followed the same path the eye of um, the 1900 storm followed. And um, the flooding was from the backside where the surge rushed in from our harbor. But the seawall did what the seawall was supposed to do. And the seawall proved its mettle in 1909, when a second hurricane hit, and then 1915, and then in the 1920s. So um, I would blame Mother Nature, but I would applaud the intelligence of man. Yeah. For our resiliency that allows us to still be here today. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Jamie, for uh, joining us today and You're welcome and uh, helping you know us understand this this historical tragedy. Yes, it's the worst natural disaster the country has ever experienced in terms of loss of life. Yeah. I mean, six and 8,000 islanders drowned that night. The total death toll is estimated to be between 10 and 12,000 because wow. as the storm moved across Galveston Island, it came upon the Texas mainland and pretty much followed the path of Interstate 45 today up through Dallas. Incredibly, incredible devastation. Thank you so much, Jamie. You're welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Alarmist. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. It's just so fascinating to have someone... Like you said, after we, uh, we, we, we stopped the interview with Jamie, uh, mm-hmm. just boots on the ground, someone mm-hmm. who <laughs> understands the place, understands yeah. the history uh, yeah. of, 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 of this uh, very particular like sp- location-specific tragedy. Yeah, you could really kind of get a sense that um, from hearing her talk that it's still something that like is a big part of the history of Galveston that it kind of a, lives within the people of the town. You know, like everyone has a, a knowledge of this thing that really reshaped how they build and prepare for th- events like this. You yes. know, like a lot of these coastal islands and and cities you know if you're living inland or away from the water you don't really think about this stuff but like you know you go and visit your friends who live on the coastal areas and you're like wow there there's a different relationship to the water there that is like both joyful and also very um (laughs) logistical yeah like like uh fearful serious (laughs) serious There. Yeah, like you, you have to understand and appreciate the yeah. raw power of the, of water, mm-hmm. the ocean, which we we really came to understand while discussing our episode. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we were just overwhelmed by the power of water. It's something mm-hmm. you don't think about until you have to think about it. Um, mm-hmm. And just hearing her, uh, Jamie, speak about how the you know storm started to come in and 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 the fact that the railroad once they realized that this was a a, a bad storm coming yeah 
that the railroads were underwater and there was Flooded. no way to get out of the island. Right. And that the bay was too choppy. Yeah. It's just kind of like it's too late. I mean, what a fearful play. I think we talked about this during the initial episode, but just kind of realizing, oh, we're kind of stuck here for the long haul. Like we're going to have to get through this. That's, um, it's a scary, it's a scary thing to place to find yourself. I mean, I don't know how you prepare for that, you know, like mm-hmm. it's just, it's yeah. a once in a life, to, once in a hundred years storm, I guess, you know? Yeah. You know, hopefully you're lucky enough not to be there when that happens. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really interesting too, just kind of like this visual of children playing in the flood, you know, the overflow, yes. I think mm-hmm. they, she said they called it, um, not realizing what was coming, you know, like that's just how um, misguided or, or you know, just misinformed these these people were. And, you know, it was of, of a certain time. It's yes. not like they knew and were ignoring the warnings. They no. just didn't know. Yeah. And, and that really <clears throat> kind of shifted my perspective a little bit about the situation we you know we we can't forget that this was 1900 the -hmm. year 1900 and Mm -hmm. scientific advancements i mean obviously were were much further ahead but they just were not what they are today yeah especially when it comes to weather We, we there were no satellites no, you know, like she said, they were just ships sending a, a telegram or sorry, a telegraph or a, uh, a Morse code, <laughs> like, right. you know, and the, the weather bureau, like had only been formed, you know, like 10 years earlier. Right. It's all very new. They're realizing the importance of these things. Um, but, you know, like, the, as she said, like mother, mother nature is not waiting for us to catch up with technology like she's just doing her own thing and the storm these kind of storms are going to happen when they happen you know so Uh we're constantly assessing and reassessing and learning from these things and trying to um, be better prepared because there's going to always be major damage and drama when it comes to mama nature yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's very serious (laughs) you can't you can't stop it no it really, I, I, I came out, out of the uh, interview, out of the conversation, having uh, perhaps a different perspective on Isaac Klein and mm, his yeah. situation. Um, yeah. You know, and something she said really uh, struck a chord with me, which was that he real once he realized he was wrong, he said he was wrong and he tried to do right. something about it. It's not like... He ran away from the situation. Right, right. Um, it was unfor- It was just an unfortunate event. It was an unfortunate I- incident. And it sounds like it really altered the course of his life afterward. I mean, leaving meteorology and losing his family and leaving Galveston. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, that's a real fork in the road that is unanticipated. Mm-hmm. Sounds, I mean, really tragic. Yeah. And also, again, no satellites. I keep going back to no satellites. I, <laughs> I think I, I I love the weather app on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> and I I love to track it. I love to I'll go. I go on it daily, multiple times. And not uh, having that access, you know, is <laughs> feels hard for me. <laughs> the, yeah, it's like the one with technology that we have now, the one like positive side of 
a hurricane is that they are so big and they, they form out in the water that you can see them coming and you do, you know, unlike an earthquake, we just don't have the technology yet. There's right. no, there's so much warning. Yeah. You know, generally you can tell people the storm is going to be here in three days. Like we advise all of you. In fact, you have to evacuate. Yeah. And some people might not, but at least you've told them you have to evacuate. And they just didn't have that. No, that luxury that we now have. Yeah. You're right. It's just like a, that is just a sign of the times. Sign you know? of the times. Like <laughs> um, so what did we end up sending to the alarmist jail for, for this one? So we ended up throwing the U.S. Weather Bureau communication okay. in jail. Okay. And we gave the big slap to Willis Moore. Okay. Who was, he was, you know, the, the bureau's director and was jealous of the Cubans and, you know, basically yes, right. putting off communication. I, I, I'm only laughing because it feels like we were pretty off. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we were, yeah, I mean, we were more, I guess, focusing on had that like communication not been mm -hmm. so, um, hostile or non-existent then perhaps more would have been you know communicated to isaac and the island of galveston in order to evacuate people mm -hmm. but again how much did they even really know the magnitude yeah that that's what i keep going back to it feels like we should have sent mother nature to the alarmist jail like jamie recommended and mm -hmm. then perhaps slapped the communication. Sure. You know, coming sure. from the Weather Bureau. Uh, I mean. I just feel like that kind of encompasses what we were talking about, like the sign of the times, you know. It well, here, just to push back a little, like, do we punish? I mean, do we want to throw Mother Nature in jail for just kind of like doing her own thing or is it more like i mean you don't want to get mother to, nature mad i just you yeah, don't want to get her on bad. your bad, bad side <laughs> like she's just she, she was here she's she's the origin of it all right she's just doing her thing she's been having volcanoes right. and flooding and hurricane like that's just what she does right it's it's science it's more like I mean, I don't, I don't know how you throw a sign of the times in jail, but something just like lack of technology or, right. I don't know. It, it's a weird one because it's like, obviously, Mother Nature is to, to blame for the devastation. Yeah. But it's not like she did it intentionally. We don't think so. No. No. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it just happened. It's mother nature and i know what you're saying about mother nature is almost like the one thing that you can't send to the alarmist jail because right it will do what it wants to do right but so i but don't know the, i mean but the, a hurricane is and there's no way to stop hurricanes right <laughs> no, no so if you want to throw mother nature in jail I understand. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it was. I, I, but I know what you mean because for for the um, for like volcanic eruptions, have we sent Mother Nature to the alarmist jail? No. no Although volcanic so. eruptions are a little different in that you get a little bit of a warning, but it is similar to 
because yeah. if you don't understand the warnings, then <laughs> that's the thing. Oh, I, maybe that's what it is. It's just like our inability to understand the warnings. Mm. There were warnings. Right. But we just didn't know we that didn't they were heed. warned. Yeah, not heeding, not heeding or unable to heed the mm -hmm, warning. Mm -hmm. To but, me, it's like the lack of, it's just like, we, it's like we've got to blame the time that evolution takes. We just weren't evolved mm -hmm. enough yeah. <laughs> to, <laughs> to know what to do. Which we're living in a time right now where we haven't evolved enough to anticipate the next major disaster that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's a good point. So, okay. So then Maybe that brings us to sending l our lack of e humans, lack of evolution <laughs> <laughs> to the alarmist deal for this one. Uh, we're, we're slapping the weather bureau for the weird communication issues. And sure. we're uh, like Jamie said, we should be giving the big clap to, yeah, <laughs> I like that to uh, humans resilience and, yes. and, and so honestly to Galvestonians at the time for yeah. for rebuilding it's uh yeah so how how do we hmm. okay I, i'm gonna i'm gonna make all these calls are you ready for you it, it. <laughs> okay <laughs> the weather bureau communication system you're getting the big slap humans lack of evolution at the time of the hurricane you're going to the alarmist jail and everyone let's give the big clap to humans, resilience, and Galvestonians for rebuilding after the hurricane. Wow. Didn't this make you want to go to Galveston? Yeah, do like a little tour, like a little, yeah. little sojourn there and check it out. Why not? Yes, and just, you know, go through the street. Because she was being very specific about the streets that were I know. flooded, uh, you know. And I, if you've never been to Galveston, they're, they're just streets. But I, I would love to just do a tour, be like, oh, my God, this was completely underwater. And how, you know, just get a sense of. Mm -hmm. of I know. I'm sure was. anyone who's from Texas or had been to Galveston will understand. I was so curious because it was so specific. I'm like, yeah. oh, I, I just kind of want to like see what these streets look like. Which I was like, oh, it goes down to Sixth Street and back up. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she she did mention um, something about how they were uh, the people after the hurricane were held at at gunpoint to yeah ask to rebuild. I got to look into that a little more. Mm -hmm. that, that seemed, was, I mean, that was curious. I wonder what those circumstances were. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess we're, we're, we're going to do a field trip. Well, we'll, we'll broadcast live when that happens. <laughs> Might be a while. Got some planning to do, but. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get, we'll let everyone know so they can meet us there for the field. Yeah. Trip. We'll do a Great. tour and we'll get Jamie to, to walk us around the city and Great. Uh, let us know. Okay. Great. Good plan. <laughs> now stay tuned because next week we are going to be discussing the murder of Scott Amador. Powered by Acast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.